During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 34 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty, and the return of Greg Miller. I'm back to right the ship. The return. Oh, my God. Things I have saw been bad. the comments. Mm-hmm. Nick Scarpino is in here farting up the joint. He talking farts. about Axiom Verge this, Axiom Verge that. All four topics of the show. One, I played an hour of Dying Light. I know a lot. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, that was one topic, and then three of them were Axiom Verge. So it was good. It was a good show. People did want you back, so I'm happy that you're here. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I was oh, I'm sorry I was gone. Your hair. You need to you need to do a little something. Thanks, Kevin. Way to be on the ball about that. I like it that way. Oh, thank you, Kev. No okay, worries. good. You're fixed. <laughs> thank you're fixed. you. I want you looking good on your return. I'm to the glad show. you did. This is very important. Right. You were doing it. You were fighting the good fight out there. That's what I do. While we were making all this content without you, yeah, you were playing Metal Gear Solid Five. I was playing Metal Gear Solid Five. We can finally talk about this. Thank goodness. That's really exciting. Except that's the gonna ending. be the second topic of the show. Oh, okay. We're gonna yeah, we're not spoiling shit. You got me super we're excited gonna, for it. We're gonna talk about the middle of your stuff. Okay. Oh, I'm excited about that too. We're gonna start with a bunch of other stuff, but first, I want to give some thank yous to some very special people, our Patreon supporters. You guys are the best. So thank you so much for supporting us here. We're thanking you here. All of you will be thanked one by one, personally, in my heart. via this. Yes, yes, via this. <laughs> um, and I would also like to thank a Patreon supporter Mike Bithel. Oh, oh, no. for uh, oh, you know, supporting us there. Trying to promote his uh his, his game. What? Kevin's getting mad because now you got to put because, two graphics on the no, screen. No, I know. And you know how you do that? One on top of the other. Yeah. What do you mean one on top of the other? Make it smaller. Make it, no, no, no. Don't make it smaller. Just make them both go. Make them both. Why don't go. you just put one down here and one up here? Fine. Sandwich me in. Crazy with now that. I'm like now I'm on. It's like an ice cream sandwich. Yeah, you're moving around, so you know. Don't move them. Make them nice. They're not gonna move. He can. He can't. And symmetrical. He can't move them. He can't. Kevin, move you don't them. have the skills to make that happen. Yeah. No, you don't have the skills necessary. Don't explode. You can't don't, explode don't. it. Okay. You're still a novice. You're still a novice. <laughs> but no, no, no. I thought that. I knew that. I knew that, Kevin. I wanted this to be a thematic thing because we were thanking our Patreon users, no matter what tier they're, they're right. at. Right. So anyway, back to it. Mike Bithel. Create this game, Volume. We got the poster here. We've been talking about it a lot. Yeah. Have you got to play it yet? No. Okay. Because Mr. You... Bithel. Well, actually, I played it. I put a Let's Play up on PC. Yes. But yes. of course, PC... Come on. Why don't Who I just cares? play it on my ColecoVision? You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I want to play it on the ultimate platform, the PlayStation Vita. Mm-hmm. But Mike Bithell, very forthcoming, said it's not quite there yet. Put it out on PS4. It's still cross-buy, cross all Yeah, that so that's the thing. It's on, it's on PlayStation 4, P- coming to PS Vita, PC, and Mac. And uh, it combines a core story card starring Andy Serkis and Danny Wallace with an editor that lets you make and play content as part of a community of stealth game fans. For more information, follow at Volume Game on Twitter. That's where I found out the news. That yes. it was, it's coming to Vita later. I liked what I played of PC. Mm-hmm. I've, I fought the urge to play it on PlayStation 4, but mainly the urge was easy to fight because I came back with Metal Gear. And so it's just like, if I'm turning on the PlayStation 4, Metal Gear has my soul. Mm-hmm. But this is inspired by Metal Gear. In oh, right. No, no. I, again, I'm totally into volume. I'm totally down with volume. 
I just need platinum metal gear first. I get it. Totally get it. And then once it comes on the Vita, you'll get in there, you'll plan on that, it'll be, everything will be good. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a glorious, glorious time. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is kind of funny games cast. If you didn't know, we talk about video games and stuff on it. And every day, topic by topic over on YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, you get to hear them. But if you want it early, and you should want it early, this one is worth a dollar. You go to Patreon.com slash kind of funny games, you pay a couple dollars, you do some stuff, you get some stuff. It's great. That's how business works. And it's, it's the really market. exciting. Yeah. That is how business works. Um, and if you want your name here, all nimbly bimbly, I don't know if it's still here. It might be. It might not. Nimbly then, uh, bimbly. It's one of the options. So you should do that. And it's really cool. And there's exclusive episodes every month. And those are amazing. Recently, we've been on a real roll yeah. of putting out some stuff. A rigmarole. Oh, the rigmarolist of rigmaroles. Yeah. Um, so that's been fun. But getting right to it. Topic one today is Until Dawn. Ooh. This is a game. That I'm very excited about, that I wasn't excited about until you sold me on. Mm. I want you to sell us even more. Sure. Why do I need to play this when there's so many things I want to play? Metal Gear, it's here, it's coming. Metal I Gear, can play here. it until dawn's even sooner. Um, yeah. So and ask questions. I know you guys haven't played it, so if you need, you want to know, mm-hmm. let me know. Uh, until dawn. Do I see boobs? No. What? I, uh, I only ask because it's a teen horror movie. Yeah, exactly. That's a little upsetting. You get, to you me. get pretty close. I mean, okay, maybe, cool. that's uh, all that so matters. Do I, I see I a played, dick? No, I've played, you don't through see it. Dicks. I've played through it know, two times, one and a half times. I'm playing through it again um, with my girlfriend. And uh, I've made decisions that have gotten some of the girls, well, she's making decisions actually, that have gotten the girls more naked than mm. they were. Like there are scenes that happen, but I, I don't know if there's so, I, there could be total nudity in it, but I don't know I what I could have done to, find, to get this particular woman out of her clothes. Um, <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> so, uh, Until Dawn is a PlayStation 4 exclusive from Supermassive Games. It's been in development for a very long time. Uh, it was originally a PS3 game that was uh, using PlayStation Move, and if you go look at the old trailers for it, the game looks markedly different. Um, one of the things that came up on Colin and Greg Live today about Until Dawn that I, I was low to, to mention at the top is that I think Until Dawn might be PlayStation 4's most beautiful game. Burn. Um, and uh, it's not... It's not it's consistent. There's like some uncanny valley shit going on in it with some of the characters sometimes, especially one of the characters. Because they do all uh, the facial c- capture on exactly. it. Hayden Pentieri is in this game, yeah, yeah. so you already know what Hayden Pentieri looks like. So to see the digital version of her maybe doesn't match up with exactly. the Nashville. Exactly. Um, that said, I feel like the character... So there's interstitial scenes, and I don't want to get too into that, in between the chapters, that look real. There, There's a character you meet that you've never seen before in any of the trailers... Um, and there's all this, this, there's these scenes with this particular character and it looks fucking real. So I just want, I want to put that out there. I was like, I couldn't believe how good it looked, but just the lighting, the environments and stuff, it's just a very pretty game. And the reason I say it's so beautiful is because, um, yeah, and uh, the order looks beautiful. The last of us looks beautiful. These are beautiful games. It's, it's just, it's, it's on that level, I think. Gotcha. Um, and it all runs, it, it's running on the Killzone Shadowfall engine and, uh, from, uh, Gorilla, and it just looks really, really pretty. So I just want to throw that out there really quick because I think that's a, an understated thing. I think the game is gorgeous. Um, I played it and I was shocked by how good it is. Uh, I think it's a great game. It's one of my favorite games of the year by far. Um, it's n- there's nothing like it out on the market. It is an adventure game. It's if you if you're a PlayStation fan, you know Quantic Dreams games pretty well. Think Quantic Dream, but think in terms of Beyond Two Souls anyway, way better. Um, and uh, not as good. It, it's it's comparable, I think, in quality to Heavy Rain. It's just that it doesn't. Heavy Rain takes itself very seriously. This game really doesn't. Um, it's serious in the moment, but it's it's full of tropes and horror yeah. movie tropes and stuff like that. It's about eight kids uh, that go. And I'm not spoiling anything because this, uh, if you the really premise. don't want to know anything about Until Dawn, you should just not watch this video. Um, and I respect that completely. The, it takes place. It starts a year before the events, and this is what we played in our Let's Play. The the the, oh. the, 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 the tutorial is about. 
the tutorial of the game shows how these two girls, these twin girls, die. Oh, okay. and uh, they are all up at this cabin. Um, there's eight kids plus the two girls, so there's ten of them. And the eight kids play a prank, or some of the kids play a prank on one of the girls, thinking that one of the guys wants her or whatever. There's like this whole miscommunication. I love this. She runs out of the house into the snow, and her sister runs after her, and it's a bat, and it's teaching you how to play the game basically at this point. And um, the both, no matter what you do, the girls are gonna die. And that's why it's not really a spoiler. It's just it is what it is. From that point on, every choice you make in the game really does have consequence, and there's and there's different layers and levels of consequence in the choices you make. Um, so the game chronicles each of these eight characters you play as all of them at different times, mm. and the, it chronicles their relationships with each other. So it measures like how like how you're doing with other people. It measures like your own statistics in terms of like your honesty, your courage, your intelligence, all that kind of stuff based on the choices you make. And then there's these overarching things called the butterfly effect. Uh, which is a real thing, um, that are tracked based on the choices you make. So it'll say, like, when when you make a really super consequential choice, not just, like, a, a choice that's, like, secondary to the story, but a really important one, a, a butterfly icon appears on the screen. And then you can go into the into the menu and look, and it'll say, like, you know, Mike did this, therefore, and then, like, you don't know what happened yet. And 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 there's a bunch of these kinds of sequences. So the beauty of the game is Can that it's my first question. Sure, of course. So with that spelling out now, when you go through in your next let's play or your next oh Jesus, your next playthrough, does it still show that? So like you can see like it said it whatever your line through to the end of it on Mike's story or whatever is there. But then you see that if you make the choice here, then it starts filling another one. But can you still see the old choices? It's unclear. Okay, because. So when you when you beat the game, you can go back into different chapters and start and start. It's it's actually a lot like Heavy Rain in the sense that like from the moment you start, it'll it'll probably presumably erase everything going forward. Sure, sure, sure. And sure, you go sure. chapter by chapter. I played through all the way again, and then I just deleted that data and I played again. Gotcha. Um. So, yeah. So to answer your question, I don't know. Okay. Um. But the beauty and the brilliance of the game is that it's full of tropes and full of horror teen tropes. Very silly. It's like, why doesn't why don't the lights work? Why are you in this cabin at all? Because basically, and I'm sorry I'm jumping around. I wasn't really prepared to talk about it uh, so in depth, and I do apologize about that. But um, the story after the girls die it takes place a year later, and everyone goes back to the cabin. And it's and it's a way for them to like kind of it's a bad. Scene. It's totally yeah. silly. It's like, why would you go back? But they're all I like, love Let's... this though. I mean, yeah. this sounds so good. This sounds exactly like those stupid '90s slasher movies. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. My biggest, my question to you sure. is, how long is it? And I don't mean that in like I don't need to know exact hours or whatever. But is it too long? No, is it's it... it's a perfect length. Okay, I think I, it's ten chapters, so it's eleven, including the tutorial. And the chapters can take anywhere, depending on the choices you make, from fifteen to twenty minutes to like over an hour. Mm -hmm. um, the game took me. I mean, you're, I know you're not literally asking. I want to say the game took about eight hours to beat. Um, but what I'm asking, so you kind of already answered this, but that eight hours, like with those type of movies, we don't need them to be two hours long. You know what I mean? Sure. Like those movies could be hour ten minutes in and out, and it's like you got what you needed. Do those eight hours feel like they should for that type of yes. game version of those movies? I think like almost any horror movie. The more you learn, the less exciting it becomes. So I think, sure. that the, so I think that it's like I've said a million times, and I hate to repeat it. It's like uh, most horror movies just don't end very well, or horror stories. Whether it's it's The Shining is a good example of this. Rosemary's Baby is a fucking perfect example of a horror movie that is fucking awesome until five minutes before the end. You know, so it's not like they have a hard time wrapping these things up, and I don't think this movie is necessarily immune to that. The brilliance, as I'll get to in a minute, is that the the game can end in a million different ways depending on the choices you made. Hmm. Um, so you, you the eight kids go back, the eight surviving kids go back as a way to like kind of celebrate and remember these kids and stuff, and it's snowy. And, and by the way, the game takes place in British Columbia, Canada. Um, 
Not quite. So it's a, it's about Canadian kids, which I really like. I mean, I I just like think it, it, it's it, it like Degrassi, very good. Uh, but I like how it's it doesn't default to like the United States. I mean, sure. the studio is British, but it doesn't default to like the United States, and you know, it's it's they're Canadian kids, and I, I so I I think that that's pretty cool. First of all, um, they all go back, and the reason it's so long, you're talking about you know, ninety minutes is a good length, or two hours maybe for a horror movie. The reason it's eight hours is because you get to play as all of the characters, and they all have their own thing going on, and they and they come together and leave and come together and and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's the way they interact with each other and who's dead and who's alive at the point that in which you're playing. So them. is it like a, a meanwhile? Type situation. Where yeah, like, so you're doing each, this. Meanwhile, Mike's doing that. Meanwhile, right? exactly. Each chapter, ta- each chapter will show you most of the characters, not all the characters, doing things concurrent to each other. Cool. So it's not, so chapter one is like, and and each chapter is like, so chapter one is ten hours until dawn. Chapter two is nine hours oh. until dawn. Chapter three is eight hours until dawn, etc. And so on. What chapter do they go? Okay, let's split up. Uh, Moment two. They split up almost immediately. Oh, classic. Um. But it, like you're split up almost immediately, like they're all coming up the mountain separately, like and and all this kind of stuff. So the brilliance of the game, and I hope I'm explaining this well. Tell me if I'm not. You're doing it well. Is the brilliance of the game is making choices. The game's easy to play, and there's no fail state. You can't. The game can't end. Like if you make, there's nothing that there's no choice you're gonna make where it's like game over. Try again. If you make a choice, someone's gonna die or something's gonna happen, but it's it's permanent. And so Story there's no way to fuck the game up. Okay. Like the, the choices you make are the choices you make and you can't go back and erase them. Um, the game saves often. Uh, and you'll see little things like uh, that pop up with not only the butterfly effect, but it'll say like status update. You made a choice. That, that means you made a choice that will affect the status of your, of your own statistics or your relationship with someone else. So there's like all of these little things that happen. Constantly, constantly, you're seeing that thing up there. Here's my next question. Yeah, because you talked about this in Colin and Greg Live. You showed it to me before I left the st- the relationship screen. What does that do exactly? Because it seems to me like you'd be making these choices. You know, you're playing as this character and you're trying to survive and you're trying to get away. Why does it matter what Mike thinks about me? Is it like that we could maybe team up later or not team up or? Um, I'll give you an example. This is a spoiler, so I want, but it's the only way for me to. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the head pat. This means we're. So this when, is I'm going to pat my head, and we're going to the spoiler. When I tap it again, we're out of the spoiler. So you just mute your mute it. Mike is interested in this one blonde girl, not Hayden's character, but the other, like another blonde girl. He can treat her really well and be really nice to her. Yeah. This later on down the line gets her to like. So I the first time I played it, we were like kidding around. We were having a snowball fight. Um, all these kinds of things. I. Uh, I you whitewashed her face. I, I, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm playing his horror and I nail him with a bunch of snowballs. Then he like gets on top of her and like rolling around or whatever. And okay. and, I, and 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 I opt to kiss Mike. Right? Oh, and doctor. and this all happens, whatever. But then when we get to a cabin later on, like two like two chapters later, they're making out and fooling around. But she has all of her clothes on. Right then. Several chapters later, she's in peril or whatever, and her injuries seem to be contingent on some of the clothes she was wearing. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but so let me give you the other example. Sure. So I played the same thing with Cheryl when my girlfriend and I were playing it, and we we, we played the snowball fight and all that whole scene a little bit differently. When I was fooling around with her, she she was in her bra and panties. Was she? And then when- no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The girl, the blonde girl, and yeah. then when I was when she got in trouble later, she had like she was like all cut up and fucked up. Oh wow, interesting. And I, interesting. And I was like, I was like, huh. So like these relationships seem to have whether they're tangent. I'm tapping us okay. Out. So whether these Welcome these back. whether these instances are tangential or not, I don't know. Sure. But it seems like there was some consequence based on just little things I was I was doing. Of course, the butterfly effect choices are the most major ones of all. Right. But. 
there's little the, the the relationships you have with each other um, seem to affect the way you play the game. There's another thing that affects the way you play the game. There are multiple different kinds of collectibles, and I love collectibles. There are things called totems that you find. Totems are there's five different types of totems, and they show you the future um, when you look at them, and only like little glimpses of the future, so you can see a possible way you're going to die, a possible way you can save someone, a choice you can make. But these are all hypotheticals based on what happened so far in the game wait is that like do they show you the player or do like, they show the, the character, character so they'll like show I, if i'm mike and i'm picking a, up a totem it might show mike getting killed but i mean does mike know that no okay. like okay, it, okay, it, okay. It, it doesn't it doesn't seem it doesn't i, I don't meant as like the playstation i turn on <laughs> show Colin like a fucking rock hitting him in that <laughs> no i mean like does the, is this a story I, it doesn't sure. seem like he's aware they don't react to the totems okay okay so it, interesting it, it, interesting but then there are clues you find you can find pictures and all sorts of things like paperwork all, all sorts of stuff and you know, I was talking to my friend Alexa. We, we all know Alexa from GameSpot. She reviewed the game for them, and she was saying that she had played through once, not finding anything, like just intentionally, like not collecting. Oh, anything. Not, and it, oh, and yeah. it affects the players under the, the the kids' understanding of what's happening. Interesting. So there's all of these different layers of storytelling in the game. I think the what I said about this game, kind of wrap to wrap it up a little bit, is that this is they've out Quantic Dream to Quantic Dream, and Quantic Dream should look at this game because this is a playable, immersive, interesting, unique, dynamic choice-based game that will require you to play it multiple times and like i said and i don't think this is a spoiler saying too much you can any permutation of those eight kids can survive conceivably and there are trophies attached to none of them surviving and there are trophies attached to all of them surviving and to give you a little context when i played through the game organically not knowing what i was doing just making the choice i was making two of them survive so i can those two kids can live and or die and the other six can live like there's there's something really special and deep and unique about this game i really think it's it's quite excellent nice and um, I'm really interested. To see, I wish you guys played it because I'm really, yeah, I'm I, super, I really want to. I'm super play. interested to see what you think because it's so playable. That's the other thing that I want to really relate to you guys. My girlfriend is not into video games. She doesn't give a fuck about them. I try to show her things. That, she's interested every once in a while, but like it's very, you know. And this is what I was telling Greg and Colin and Greg live. She just, she as you know, super stacker deluxe. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's basically it. Uh, very good, Greg. And uh, Ka- or Nick, can you? No, never mind. Um. Can we get some paper towels? No, I got a shirt. So, so she, I showed her this game. I I went to Napa Friday night and I was showing her the game and um, I was like, I think you're really going to enjoy this. And we ended up playing, sorry, I'll just let this finish since this is a distraction. All right, come on. Want a new shirt? No, I got it. Thanks, Chief. Aren't you cold? No, I'm fine. Okay. Remember that? Remember that the Roger Craig Smith one where I spill an entire water over myself? I'm fine. Clean as the state. If you got a long totem time. of this, you would have been okay. You it would have given you, to give you some guidance. Yeah. Um, so what I was saying was, uh, she we, we, I, she indulged me and, and we started playing the game or whatever. And we got several chapters in. And she's like, she wanted to go to bed or whatever. And I was like, okay, we had a good time. I got to show her the game. She seemed to really. I was letting her make. I was playing if I was letting her make all the choices. Some of the choices, by the way, are snap choices. Like you have to make them quick. Some of the other ones, the game will just stay there until you make a choice. But there's a lot of them. There's yeah. lots of choices, scores of them. And um, the next night, so that was Friday night. The next night on Saturday night, we were just watching TV. She's like, you want to play until dawn? And I was like, I've won. I was like, <laughs> I was like, really? And she was, and she's like, really into it. Cool. She's really into it. So I feel like I tell Did you, you the story with her. No, not yet. Okay. Um, I tell you the story only because it seems to have some interest for the people that aren't interested yeah. in games. It's a very, it's a very accessible, very easy to play game. Again, you, you can give it, anyone a controller. You can't fail. Like you can't fail. There's no game over. 
So the only, you know, because she, she was asking me an interesting question. This is, I was really surprised by the depth of this question, even though it's an easy question to ask. I was she's like, what is the intent? Like, are you supposed to try to play to save everyone? Are you supposed to try to play to kill everyone? Mm. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to just play the game. You don't know the choices you're making, whether they're good or bad. There are things, there are catastrophic things that happen when you think that you're doing good things in the game, which I love. Because um, it, re- it gives you agency, but removes your, yeah. it removes the intention behind the agency, which I think is kind of cool. Um, so I don't want to ramble too much about the game. I just, I recommend highly that people play this game. I think it's fantastic. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a sleeper hit. And I'm shocked that Sony isn't, putting a lot of like marketing weight behind it because I think it's it's been in development for a long time it couldn't have been cheap mm-hmm. and I think that they should they should really try to sell this game to more people I think it's going to be a, a hit and I think that Supermassive might have a series on their hands and I'm not saying they're going to make another game with these kids because they're all fucking dead at the end anyway if you play it a certain way they might all live I'm just saying like this engine works this formula works this this ability to make choices work there's a lot of QTs in the game and stuff which I know people won't, won't like to but all of this works keep making them yeah before sunset before sunset, just keep going. Here's the question: So you're playing through all this and doing all this stuff. Uh, what is the gameplay? You're saying you know you're, she's into it. It's not really she's not into normal games. Is it not like picking up things and examining them? Is it not trying to figure out how to open that door? Or is it just like fucking full on? You're running the entire time. What's going to happen? No. And what's the difference between it and uh, and Telltale games? Because that's the one thing that I'm not clear on. Uh, so, all right, so let me answer those one at a time. What you're doing in the game is you have a limited array of what you can do at any given time. It's not totally open world or anything like that. But, like, for instance, you're in a cat, you're in like their cabin. It's a beautiful building, right? And it's like three stories. There's a basement, all that kind of stuff. And you can generally walk around it and do whatever you want, but some of the doors will be locked or whatever. So you can, like, find clues and stuff, or you can just go right to the next point. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, never enough where it's like, okay, go do this or go do this. It's more like this is basically the task at hand. Is there anything ancillary to you that you can find that might make it more interesting? Okay, let's do that. The game also is very cutscene heavy, um, which I think is fantastic, too. So you're playing it and you're walking down a path. Then you might stop to talk to someone. You make a few choices. Then there's a cutscene and all this kind of stuff. So that that's that's what's happening. To to, to your point about Telltale games, it's it's different from Telltale games in a that it runs. B, uh, it doesn't give you as many choices. So it's not like you usually only have two choices. Cool. Um, do this or this. Like run or hide. You know, uh, go left, go right, like that kind of thing. Um. So it doesn't give you the, the depth of choices, but the game run like the fidelity in which the game runs is way better than the Telltale game, um, and it's not episodic, obviously. Uh, at least, and I don't want I don't know the if Telltale games have improved radically over the last eighteen months since I last played one or two years, but I mean Telltale games just for my in my experience just weren't very good in terms of the game. I mean they're, they're fun to play, they're they're well you know they're well written and stuff. So that's the difference I think that it's just uh, you know that's basically until dawn. I mean I I don't know if I, I don't know if that, any of that made sense. No, but but uh, it's it's a fun game. It's just so unique. It's so different. I really am so excited for this game to go into the wild because I'm really interested to see what people think of it. I, it it's a little divisive. It's, it's floating around an 8 on Metacritic right now, which means it's great. But some people are giving like 9.5s. Our friend Jim Sterling gave it a 9.5. Some people like Polygon gave it a 6.5. So, I mean, there's pretty much anywhere in that space. Yeah. The thing that I, I – and I said this on Colin and Greg Live. I think Until Dawn, part of your enjoyment – of until dawn will be measured in how serious you take yourself. I really think it's the kind of the, the part of the equation. If you're going to go into the game with high pretension, thinking you're going to get a fucking triple A AAA caliber uh, horror story that isn't making fun of itself and isn't full of tropes and 
It's a teen horror movie. Like, but, I mean, enjoy it for you what it is. You go into that the same way you go into those movies, and you're going to enjoy it yeah, for what it is. Exactly. And I think I'm, I don't want to say that people that scored it lower didn't didn't go into the, with that, but I do think that there's a level of pretension with some of these kinds of games where it's like, well, it's not a fucking Quantic Dream game. That's mm-hmm. you know, but it's not. A, I'm not trying of, to tell that story. In terms of in terms of the level of storytelling, it's not a Quantic Dream game. In terms of the mechanics of what it is doing, it is surpassing the Quantic Dream games. Interesting. Can't um, wait to play. It. Yeah. So I'm. I, you know, I I encourage everyone to, to at least you know. Re, you don't trust me, I, I understand read a review or try to find the pre- people you relate to or whatever, see what they think of the game. But um, if you're watching this, I think they trust you, Colin, and probably relate <laughs> <It's> to you. Really, <laughs> this might be the most interesting thing that's ever happened to me on any of the kind of funny content we've done. That you were so unsure of your selling of this. Like multiple times you've been like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining it. You're doing a great job explaining Thanks, it. Thanks, yeah. It's just, but it's, it's weird to me that you like you think you're not. Well, it's it's because I'm used I'm I'm used to talking we talk on Colin and Greg this morning, for instance, about, you know, we have, you have your shooters, you have your, you know, Quantic Dream games mean something, you have your platformers and all that. There really isn't anything like this. Like, so it's, it's weird to talk about it in a way that is authoritative when you, I don't really have anything to learn from because, like, what other game exists like this? Like, like, that's a teen horror film that you play. There's nothing like it. So it's hard to know for sure I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to I'm not trying to sell the game I'm trying to sell make sure I'm selling it in a, in a way that's the salient points are getting out and it's just so the game is so vast and so complex even though it's simple to understand simple to play that it's it's the it's the underlying mechanics that I want to make sure people that's understand the butterfly effect and all that kind of stuff I think is I'm glad Sony what's smart about Sony we talk about Sony seeing things in embryonic states like with remember me is a good example that was supposed to be a PlayStation exclusive that they abandoned right and that, and Capcom ended up publishing and ended up being mediocre um they saw something in this game where they're like, you know what? Just redo it. You know? Like, yeah. just don't release it on PS3, get rid of the motion controls, and just do it again. Be- and, and I think they saw it, and I think it was wise, because they, they were like, there's something special about this game. One of the cool things I like, too, is that every once in a while, the game will tell you not to move. And it's like, well, how, how can you do that? And it's like the controller icon will appear, like the, the triangle in front of the controller, and you just like hold the controller like this, and if you move, like, so you could be hiding from the from the bad guy. I won't spoil any more of that from you, for you, uh, who that is, or whatever, but and like if you move, then they'll, then they'll see you or whatever. But like if you just hold it still, then the bad guy will like walk past. There's just a lot of like really weird twitch kind of things that happen in the game. So where like you expect it, it to be locks more... in, like you can't just put it on the table because yeah, it knows like... where your hands are. Okay. So oh, the second cool. I was playing it, I was anticipating that I'd put the controller down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, there's like a bunch of just random quick time events and all that kind of stuff. It's it's fun. very clever. Mm. So I, I'll end it there. I, I you know please you know tweet at me or, or you know write in the comments. Let me know what you think of the game. When you know by the time you see this, it should be just about ready to go. So, um. Or by the time you see this, you should have played it already, actually. Is it, out, well, is it out, what, it's out tom- t- the, tomorrow uh, for us? The 25th. Okay. It, okay. And this will go up for our Patreons on the 27th, and then everyone else 31st. Like, the 31st. Yeah. So, you know, I hope you enjoy. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I was shocked. I knew that the game was going to be good and unique. I got a feeling. I had a feeling about it, after, especially after our Let's Play, where I was like, this is going to be good. Yeah. Um, but I didn't expect it to be great. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Topic two. Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. Oh, my God. So, Greg, yeah. you got to play. Yeah, I haven't talked to you at all about this. I know, and I'm so excited. You, you wanted texts? You wanted updates? You oh, wanted I wanted some, so thing. I didn't want spoilers. Yeah, no, but there I wanted, will be no spoilers there, here. We're going to be fine. Calm down, internet. Yeah. I mean, there'll be as many spoilers as there are when we talk about anything. Sure. Yeah. Which is everything. I don't want to say there's Let none. me tell you the ending. Here. Yes. Go for it. No, so I'm so excited about this game. I've been excited about this game forever. Right. And... I'd say in the last month or two, I got really excited about this game sure. as you started hearing more and more about being able to go play it and all that stuff. I was mm. like, fuck, I want to do this. Yeah. And I have so many questions now. Sure. You've played it. You've beat it. Yes. So, okay. 
I've beaten it. I've beaten the main story. We've talked about this before, and then there's loose threads that come up. Okay. I have played the two missions that Konami has basically said is the are the end of the game, and you can't talk about it, or please don't talk about it. You know what I mean? Based on your NDA. I know for a fact, based on a montage, you see that there's a cutscene I haven't gotten yet with a character I want to get to, but it is not, in my mind at least, game ramifying at all. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to redefine what's happened. I've gotten the ending. I, my questions are answered as to what's happening in this game. Hmm. Okay, and you are satisfied? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the story like that. That was the weird thing I keep talking about with this, right? Is the fact that Ground Zeroes didn't work for me because I didn't like the the being dropped into like what I always thought called the shoebox, where you got dropped in and there was a million dudes and it didn't feel like you could. You weren't. Re- it wasn't open. You couldn't run and hide. It, it was this weird melding of the Metal Gear we knew with these new mechanics that were meant for this open world game. And so when I went and got to play that preview event, that was when I was like, oh shit! Like the mechanics work and are amazing in an open world where you can run and do this and take come at a problem from any angle you want, right? Because in Ground Zeroes, it felt like. Well, shit! I have to go this way because there's all there's a guy there and a guy there, or whatever. Whereas this one, that like, people are on patrol and they move out and they're having conversations, you can move around a bit more freely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found it very interesting that what I was getting s- excited for with Fan of Pain leading into this review event was the gameplay. I wanted to go play, like I like I say in the review and like I say after I played it the first time. Right? It's Peace Walker Two. If you don't like Peace Walker, which was the concern we had talking to you, right? Is like I don't know if you'll like this game because it is. Get out there, recruit people, floating them back out, get yeah. resources, build mother base, do this, get ready for FOBs. All right, you got this, build the zoo, you know, upgrade your emblems, get your GMP, do, you know what I mean? Like, that's what is like, I want to mainline, you know what I mean? That's what I want to go be a part of. And that all comes down to getting dropped into the world and doing the mission, getting the VIP, whatever, rescuing the hostage, you know, taking out the bad guy. And so, like, I was stoked about that. So when I sat down and got to play it for one week straight, right? I'm out there and I'm doing the story missions because obviously they're advancing the story, giving you rewards. That's you know moving everything, yeah. that's unlocking emblems. But I'm getting distracted by side missions. I'm going out. I'm trying to get everybody in my team and bring them back and get them on mother base and have them be awesome. And so the story, like I keep saying, right for me and I and I don't know how much this is the fault of maybe having played it, having talked about it forever, having seen so many fan theories, having to do it. This story for me felt fine. It wasn't bad, you know what I mean? But it wasn't Metal Gear. Metal Gear. It I wasn't mean, like... That's my biggest worry about this, because for me, what I love about Metal Gear the most yeah. is the story and the wackiness. Yeah, it's wacky. The story's wacky. Don't get good, me wrong. Good, good, good. But yeah. it, like, just the overall, the mythos of it, and like, sure. kind of getting involved and caring about these characters and how ridiculous ways they link everything together, right. and you're like, all right, cool. See, this that, character's there. What? Why? And, and that exists, later. and that was my thing, and like, what I talked about in the review, right? You roll credits on the main story. For me, it was 30 hours in, maybe 35 or whatever, right? And then you get to keep playing, and there's more stuff, and there's the real true ending and all that jazz or whatever that's up there later. And it's like, what I was excited for was tying up the individual character threads of like, oh, I want to know more about this, and why is that person there, and where, you know what I mean? Like, trying to figure out those pieces. And the cutscene I'm talking about is very much one of those of like, I haven't seen that character that you just teased me with. Where is that? What do I have to go do to get that to come up? You know what I mean? Yeah. But all that said, it was just like never – there was no sniper wolf moment. You know what I mean? There was no sorrow moment. There was no like I can't – like boss riding up the horse in Peace Walker – or riding, riding on the horse up the mountainside in Peace Walker. Like there weren't those kind of moments. And it continues the track we've seen of uh, deviating away from boss battles really, right? Like – this was something I was telling Colin about when he got back. And he's like, how are the bosses? I'm like, they really aren't there. 
that really isn't a thing. You know what I mean? Like you get into situations that are like the the Peace Walker, like you're 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 in a cutscene, all of a sudden this giant thing comes up and it goes to be continued, dot dot dot. So you have the chance to come back into the mission with the loadout you want and maybe a rocket launcher and maybe that. But for the most part, that's fighting tanks, that's this, that, or the other. Like the boss fights you get into, you're never into like a the end situation. You're mm-hmm. never into a Vulcan Raven situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. See, this is the thing that worries me so much is that all of the things that I was excited for, despite the things I wasn't excited for, yeah. sound like they're not there. Mm. And now, granted, it's like a lot of the other stuff that that look watching the game, all the let's plays I've seen you do, all of the trailers, all the stuff, it looks so good. Yeah, I'm just like I. This looks fun to me. I want to play this. I want to enjoy it, even despite all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you saying it doesn't have the moments, like that's why MGS4 is my favorite one. It's not the best one, but it's my favorite because it has those moments. It has Act Four so Shadow Moses. You that know, like, entire what? thing, like you know what I mean, like, like that, that yeah. entire chapter is a moment. You yeah. know, even in uh, Chapter Three when you're on the motorcycle and it's just like I'll yeah. never forget how cinematic that all yeah. felt. Yeah, and yeah. every boss fight was like a moment. Right. Every boss fight in any Metal Gear is a moment. And for you to say this, like, this went from, all right, there's not moments to there's also not real boss fights. It's like, what? Yeah. This is a Metal Gear, you know? And um, it, the things I didn't like about Peace Walker, all the base stuff, I was always like, all right, well, I just don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, I could just go through the story. From moment one, though, they made it clear that this was going to be a different Metal Gear. Yeah. And even in the first trailers and stuff, it was open world. Yeah. I haven't seen that before. Right. You know, and they, they said it, this isn't the linear thing. This is more like a season of TV than it is a Very movie. much so, yeah, yeah. And from the, I instantly didn't like that. I was like, oh, I want the movie. Yeah. Like, what I like about Metal Gear But I mean, like, it's, it's funny because this is like, I mean, we talk about it all the time, people who take criticism on the nose and just keep like, no, I'm not going to, I'm doing what I want to do. And then we end up hating them. Right. Mm-hmm. Or we're not ha- like Kojima clearly took influence from metal gear four, where everybody's like, I'm watching this. This is watching a game. I'm not playing it. And like peace Walker obviously was different, but still had long cutscenes. This game really doesn't like there are cutscenes. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. There is story given to you that way. Don't, I'm not saying it, but there isn't the giant narrative. There okay. isn't like you're, you're sitting there forever watching a cutscene. So how coherent is this game? In terms of story? Like, yeah. Just like in terms of being able to play it and actually understand what's going on as you're doing Because I remember like MGS2, I didn't understand it. Sure. I had to reflect, talk to people, read about it to really get it. MGS4 I, I was a little bit more straightforward. MGS1 even had some things that I didn't get. But like, at least yeah. I understood sure. this happened and then this happened. You'll get the main beats happened. here, no problem. I think you know it might be one of those things of it does in a few ways test your you – know, I've, I've always felt – Interestingly enough, with you know Peace Walker being my favorite Metal Gear game, I've always felt I'm the shakiest on the the pre Solid Snake story stuff. You know what I mean? In a way, like Big Boss Three didn't connect with me. I wasn't a big Three fan, right? So I had to catch up on a lot of ways of what was happening and do that when Four was there and they were Eva's back and it's like, well, what happened oh, what? again and yeah. what the hell's the point? And like, why was Campbell introduced in Portal Ops but then blinked out of existence? What happened? Um, so they're like when they really start drilling into like what's happened before and how this ties into three and whatever and, and you're just like all right cool and there's this and you know they're talking about zero again i'm like i remember zero right yeah this and like there's that little bit but the main what's happening and why it's happening you'll be able to wrap your head around and you'll be like this is some wacky shit cool this is a weird thing to do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and there's cool moments to it but just not like the moments we've we just talked about you know i, yeah. I don't mean to make it sound like you're watching these cutscenes and they're just like man this sure is weird, big boss. Like, I mean, there's fucking crazy <laughs> characters and, you know, crazy guns and all sorts of shit happens and they do things with the camera you're not expecting and da da da. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like, I don't know how many times I'm going to look back and be like, well, this one mo- this is a pivotal moment. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, it's one of those weird things of like, 
uh, we've talked about this before, and it was in the reviews, obviously, is the fact that, like, Big Boss really comes off as, like, a silent protagonist in this. Like, Kiefer Sutherland's the voice, yes, but they don't use it all that often. It's really, it's Miller and it's Otacon in your ear talking to you as you land and do these missions, right? And then if you want, you listen to the cassette tapes for briefings before what you find then. And again, 90% of the time, it is... Miller and Ocelot having a conversation or Ocelot talking maybe to you and you get like, uh-huh, okay, whatever, from Snake, you know what I mean? But it's not, it's not like, it's not Metal Gear in the way of like, I know Big Boss, how he sounds in Peace Walker and 3 and then Solid Snake and like, and I'm not even trying to make the hater comparison. I'm just saying like, he, they just don't, this character doesn't talk like that character or even yeah. want to be that vocal. So it's one of those weird things of maybe I'm not, having those moments just because I'm not as connected to Big Boss. You know what I mean? Like, it's this weird thing to dial it back and it, you know, now it's more like Link than it is like what, you know, whatever yeah, talking yeah, character yeah. you want to talk about. But it's like, I, I you know, I, mm, that's a spoiler. I can't say that. But, you know, like, I just, I'm not connected to him in a way that maybe those moments don't make sense. Because there is this, like, one moment we can talk about later once you've played it or whatever that is, like, very... It's a moment. It is a moment. It's probably my moment of the game where something's happening and there's like, you know, that sad music and like this big thing happens for a character. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's cool. But it's still like, this all seems a little forced. You know what I mean? In terms yeah. of like why these people care about each other and this kind of thing. Hmm. Sorry, I have to dance around that one. No, I mean, that's good though. I, I So, I mean, this is the thing that surprises me. And I, I guess I have a question, but a comment first, which is I was shocked by your admission that there are no real boss battles. There doesn't seem to be that many personalities in the game, even in terms of like what, what that's what I always loved about Metal Gear 2. I mean, Metal Gear Solid 1, Metal Gear Solid 2, I, I think are fantastic games and, and I love them. And what I loved most about those games was the bosses and especially, yeah. and especially the boss fights. Yeah. It's shocking to me in a series where we, the series that gave us the Psycho Mantis boss fight, which is still, I think the most ingenious boss fight ever made. Um, just in the way it reacts to your TV, yep. it looks like it's shutting your TV off, and like you have yeah, to change like your yeah, you, 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 you control. You think you're on the you're on the uh, controller. I was too. blown away by that. I think that's that is just exceptional. And it seems to me that I guess my question is, why is Metal Gear Solid Five so good then? Because it's it doesn't seem like a Metal Gear game, and and, and I respect that. But yeah. I just want to say I agree with you. It seems like it was very reactionary the way they made this game based on the reaction of Metal Gear Solid Four. But it always seemed to me. Metal Gear Solid 4 didn't sound that excessive compared to, I mean, it was, but compared to the long cutscenes that were in Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear yeah. Solid 2, when these things happened, it was about the story and it was about these characters and it was about these fucking weird villains. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, that's what the. Even Metal Gear Solid 3, which you and I, neither, neither of us really liked that game very much. I mean, that whole. The pain and all, or whatever, and all these characters, like that whole motif. They're memorable, right? Yeah, Even like, though I don't like, I'm not like, that's my favorite Metal Gear. I still remember that. I remember the end. It's so shocking. Like, what I was so excited about this was like, who are they going to either tap into? Yeah. To bring back, or what are the new villains going to be? Yeah, like that was what I was so stoked about, and to hear that that group of villains doesn't fucking exist yeah. is heartbreaking. I think actually, you, you can me. see you can see the through line of the evolution of where they're at now, and the fact that yeah, you know, I felt like personally, I found the bosses in four to be disappointing. Remember, they were the beauties or whatever, and there was the wolf, and there was this this mantis that were. And they were all like inspired by things. They're making callbacks to what you remember, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. But in the end, you're just like women who then got augmented into these like robot leathery creatures or whatever, right? Or I forget their whole story yeah. or whatever. Again, I love that shit. I, I, I but... that's cool, but I don't remember them, right? I mm -hmm. remember the one that was like Psychomantis, and I was like, man, I really wish I was fighting Psychomantis. Can we yeah. just do that? You know, what well, I, I guess mean? the one for me was the octopus. 
Laughing Octopus oh, yeah. was awesome because we never got to see the octopus fight in uh, the first one. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he like the DARPA chief. That that happened right, and then you see, then it's Peace Walker, and Peace Walker's bosses are the, the you know the, the robots, the the AI cores, you know, pupa chrysalis. There, that's who you're fighting. And again, it's so it's like my thing with the beauties was they all felt and looked very similar. And then we skew off to where you're just fighting robots, and now we're at this end point where it's like, well, do we even need boss fights? Like, is that really what people want out of this game? You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, I thought, I thought, I mean, maybe Tim disagrees, but I thought the answer was yes. I, I, I'm, I, I, not having tracked the the evolution of Metal Gear as, as closely obviously as you guys have, it's just that's shocking to me. You know, yeah. like that. That's really, and I, I, I'm disappointed to hear that. You know, that that it's story light and that there's no. There's no Sniper Wolf and Vulcan Raven and and all you know Psycho Mantis and and all these characters like that really made Metal Gear Solid One is memorable to me for two reasons, Shadow Moses and those bosses. That's it. Yeah, sure. So it's 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 I don't know. Yeah, I think this this sounds like Peace Walker Two more than Metal Gear Solid Five, having not played it. Yeah, you know, and it sounds like that's a pretty accurate thing yeah, to say. Yeah, no, and I, so back to your point of like what makes it so great, it is just the I game. Game's getting tens. I know. You know, so I mean, uh, you know, we don't score, so I don't have no, to worry no, about it. Like, right. my, I would have knocked it for this and said this is a problem for me. You know what I mean? And not a problem, but like, in terms of the giant list of you know, like amazing things I'm saying about this game, I have to come here. I mean, why it's getting tens is just the fact that it's so much fun to play. You know, what I mean, I keep coming back to. It. I'm 60 hours into this game. I've beaten the story, and all I want to do is play more of it. You know what I mean? I need to play a little bit of Madden before I go film this thing tomorrow. I need to fil- play a little until dawn. But will I get? To, will I do either of those things tonight? It's questionable. It's questionable if I'm not just going to keep going back. Because, like, what what this is doing in terms of gameplay is it's it's perfect. It's the perfect Metal Gear gameplay of tactical espionage, stealth missions. You know what I mean? Like, And, like, you see it in my early Let's Plays where I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm getting found, all this stuff. I'm trying to learn again, right? But now you're. I feel like Big Boss. I feel like Snake. I, I'm in there. I'm creeping around. I'm getting people. I'm knocking them out. I'm exfilting them out before anybody else sees it. Then I'm using my silent sniper rifle to take out the other guys on the ridge and do all this stuff. And then... You know, I finish that mission, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna now I'm gonna like I fin- uh, the mission. Like that's what the funny thing is. Like side ops and even story sometimes can take you like 15 minutes, right? Sometimes the, the longest part is getting over there because once you get there, it's just like I need to you know take out this VIP. I need to you know take care of this guy or whatever. You get there, you can do that, but inevitably what happens is I'll get the person out, and then it's like, well, shit. Now I see those fuel resources over there. I'm a thousand fuel resources away from getting a new R&D strut that'll get me closer to getting the infinite bandana, getting this cool ass armor that I can't talk about right now. You know what I mean? Like getting the I'm like I'm so close to having the fucking final version of the Trank pistol that has the unlimited uh, uh, silencer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's all these hooks built in where I'm like, well I'll go get that. Well I got that. And I did scan, and that guy's an A-plus in combat, and I'm really having trouble right now in combat ops getting my, my guys that I send out to get – I send out the guys to get more GMP or to get more resources or to get A-plus guys, but they have a chance of losing. But if I bring them in, I put them in, my team's going to be stronger. I'll have a better chance, so I'm going to take them out. Well, shit, now I'm close, and I'm pretty sure I haven't cleared this outpost. And if I clear this outpost, I'm going to get more heroism that will maybe unlock something somebody would say. And then, of course, it'll give me a new emblem part and a new code name. And it's just like you yeah. fall down this hole of just like – you just want to play and play and play and play. And it's like, I finished this, and it's like, now I'm going to go over and do that side op. I'll drive instead of getting helicoptered. Okay, well, there's another outpost. I haven't done anything. When they have all these resources, I should do that. Oh, shit. Do I have that bird? Do I need to? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do it's I just have like. that bird? Got to catch them all. Exactly. Um, and that's the whole thing is like, it's collectibles. Like, you were, we've talked about in other games that we love so much, right? Like, But it sounds like this has that hook of collectibles that do something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, totally. Like that. And that's the whole thing of like, 
knowing how far or how close I should say you are to something, knowing how close I am to that pistol makes me say, well, fuck, I just got to get in there and bite down. And once I get the R&D team up, that's one of my, one of my big problems right now, right? Like my R&D team, I have as many as I can have. So I have to like find better R&D people and then get rid of the old R&D people or expand it and bring in just more R&D. You know what I mean? Like there's all these little things and it's like I'm right there on so many things. And I'm not even right there. Probably another 10. I mean, I don't I didn't like to think about how long it's going to be like max out mother base. Because, like, these struts aren't cheap anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I'm three of four on every one of them. So getting that fourth <laughs> one is like, fuck, you know what I mean? But it's like, I want to do it, and I'm going to do it. And when I get tired of just taking out the the outpost side ops, then I go do a main op, and I'm going to try to S-rank it. And if I've S-ranked, if this is too tough to S-rank, then I'm going to go back and do one of the other ones that I've already S-ranked, but I didn't get all the mission tasks on. Because in a brilliant move that I thought, that I thought this was going to be the other way, like, everything has a number of mission tasks, and they're like fun little like whatever like you know okay you're you know fultoning this guy out uh fulton him out from the second floor of the building through the hole in the roof right that's one of them and then it's like take this guy out from 100 meters or whatever like that and so once you do it on any of the playthroughs right that box is checking up to worry about it so even on like cool. the toughest ones of like take out this boss this boss in quotes right without and only do it this way like you can do it and just focus on that you don't have i thought i was gonna have to try to do them all in one mm. perfect run or whatever and you don't you don't have to ask rank it for that you just have and it's like yeah, great. There's all these little mini challenges, let alone the fact that now that it's beaten, the, the final missions here are harder versions of the original missions that are now like, okay, cool. You're unleashed on this mission you've done already or done a million times probably if you're trying to get everything right, but you get dropped with no equipment. You have to procure everything on site and take out these three communication arrays. Figure it out. Like, how do you want to do that? You know what I mean? Or you have to do this one in perfect stealth, no reflex mode, nobody can see you, da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Like, they're taking the, the things you already liked and now, you know, twisting them just a little bit where it's new and freshing it seems like i mean it seems like they just took you know kojima and and, and his studio to just took a lot of influence from just western role-playing games it's it sounds like that's the thing is that it sounds like a fun game it sounds like a, a, a great game a game that I, I certainly want to play it doesn't sound like a metal gear game and i and i i really do wonder how that's going to resonate with people i'm super curious about that yeah not even being that big of a metal gear fan at all i'm being totally lapsed in terms of even being caught up in the story because i'm not um that's just shocking to me because if I was going to go into that game, my expectation would be like story, characters, story, characters, story, yeah. characters. And the gameplay better be good, but that's not what I'm worried about. It seems like they went in a totally different direction, opposite direction. And that was the thing about like for me, I, I remember playing Ground Zeroes and again, it just didn't click with me. But what I loved about Ground Zeroes was the story. That all of a sudden Chico and Paz were there and I'm like, I – you know, being a Peace Walker fanboy, I thought I was like, oh man, I didn't even think you'd ever really talk about these people again, let alone just introduce them and be like, if you don't know who these are, fuck you. And I'm like, okay, yeah. great. You know what I mean? And like, you jump in here, right? And it's Miller and it's Ocelot. And then they add in, obviously, some of the characters you've seen or done whatever with. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, that's cool. And then there's like, there's one dude who's just like dropped in towards the end who, and then he turns out to be this like crucial character. And it's just like, it's a weird thing to just draw. Oh, okay. The story part's over. You know what I mean? Like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting thing. And yeah, I don't know. Like, it. I I think what's interesting for the difference here, not between us, because you, you you haven't played it, but what you're saying is it doesn't sound like a Metal Gear to you. Is that I've been there for the steps. I've. I, I, it doesn't feel like it's not a Metal Gear to me because I've seen them yeah. break off. The, you know what I mean? Break off since four. And yeah, I think since, in a lot of ways, like being a Metal Gear classic fan and wanting that. I think this might be the right call for what more people want. Sure. You know, I feel like I am in the minority of, of this, and like there's a bunch of me out there, yeah. but it's still the minority compared to what people want. This gameplay sounds like what people like nowadays. What's what's fascinating to me is that even with this, 
you know, Metal Gear is a story game, right? We Big Boss, Solid Snake, Les Enfants Terribles. We know all this stuff, right? And the fact that this game is so expansive and so big, and the fact that it was 30 hours when I beat the story quotes, and then another 10, 20, and then granted, this is me fucking around a bit too, right? Where I got the real ending and stuff. Like, I really, really, really wonder how many people are going to get there on their own. And not just YouTube it and not just figure it out. Or, you know, obviously people are spoiling it already. You're seeing it shouted out in different places. Our less place. People are in the comments shouting it out. I'm deleting them the best I can. But you know what I mean? Like, How do they know? I, the game's already leaked, of course. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And there's like a strategy guide out that's like BSing about stuff. This is the problem, too, is it's totally one of those things right now where it's just like shotgun fodder. Where like people are yelling at me, this is you were asking me today, did we spoil something in the review? And I'm like, no. But it's like at one point I used past tense on a word. So everyone jumped on that. And they're like, you're spoiling the game. We and I'm like, no, that's just me talking. That's not what you everyone has all these fan theories now and all this like people in the comments saying they're spoiling it, right? And now they're like trying to draw lines to what I've said in my other stuff to say that's a spoiler. And it's like, oh whatever, that's some conspiracy theory shit. Let of me course. ask you this last question before we move on. Okay. Who if if Liquid and uh, Ocelot and these guys were kind of the antagonists in, in the games that I played, yeah, then who is the antagonist? Skullface. He was introduced in Ground Zeroes. And what? Who is he? He's a bad dude, and you'll find out in this game. That was the thing. Is Ground and Zeroes? And he's not interesting. He's interesting enough. I enjoy. Uh, I en- I liked. I liked what his his evil plan was. Right, like what he was. What his thing was set out. It's different. It's interesting. It's an. It's like oh, that's a. Oh, it's it's a wacky thing to do, but it's like that's interesting. Yeah, okay, cool. But it's really one of those things. That, and again, I keep talking about this is the fact that like we're given the NDA, sign it, which is totally normal for any review, right? Uh, we do it all the time, and when we get the games early, like by accepting this, you won't post your review before this, and you won't talk about such such. such. And they were like, all right, ch- this number and this number of missions are like the end end end, so you can't talk about that. You're like, don't ruin that, please. Yeah. Don't ruin the fucking game. And they're like, of course not. But then, so I'm going and I'm going and I'm going. And I do this one mission. I'm like, oh, okay, that was cool. I'm gonna run around sh- shooting something. Like, not spoiling anything, right? And then I guess this other part, and then it, like, it, it like, it, it ends, and I'm like, I, all this stuff happens, and it's boom, and then it's like the credits roll, and I was like, oh, like I, I, I'm privileged enough because of the way this review event set up that I know where the the real ending is. I didn't realize right now where I was in the story. This was gonna end here. You know it's what like, I mean? It's like a Castlevania it, Symphony of the Night. Thing. It didn't feel like we. It didn't feel like we had a build that was like natural. Like oh, oh, oh. Like, yeah. it's just, oh. The microwave. Yeah. Oh crawl my through. fucking god! Talk about a Metal Gear moment, right? Yeah. Where yeah, you're crawling through the microwave and shit. And it's like, it, it's just weird. You just wanted this popcorn, dude. Yeah, man, I get it. <laughs> so, so a question is: me going into this game, going to beat this game, going yeah. to beat the story at the very least. Sure. If I get hooked on this other stuff, I do, and yeah. I think I, there's a chance at that. Yeah. Slim, but there's a chance. Can I, if I want? If I can to. say one thing, keep in mind the the stuff that ramps in a way that it's not like that was always the problem when I showed uh, Peace Walker to Nick, is that to him it was like there's a million different things of like how do I manage this, ba-? but it doesn't start that way, right? Yeah, yeah, you get yeah. it piece by piece by piece. So by the, by the time you're spinning all the plates, you're like oh this is normal, I know what I'm doing, don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, but if I wanted to just get through the the story beats, yeah, is that easy to do? Doing some of the, you know, bare minimum amount of all this, like, sure. base management and stuff. I mean, my, my thought process on it would be, yes, you could do it in less than 30 hours, because I spent days uh, where I'm just, I'm just doing side missions today. Fuck it. You know what I mean? But the, co- the caveat to all that, right, is the fact that doing all the side ops gave me the GMP to make better weapons and make better gear. And so if you're just steamrolling through it, 
I'm not sure at what point you're going to be running up against walls and it's going to be harder for you to progress than it was for me. Again, not from there's. I can think of one one boss boss battle off the top of my head, and I'm not trying to put them in quotes because there are like there are boss things to do. There's like things you have to beat to get through, right? But just not like the bosses we're expecting, right? I mean, it's not like a group of five people. They're exactly. similarly themed after animals and exactly, shit. Exactly, exactly. But like that would be the one for sure where it would be harder for you. But like it was like such a revelation for me to get like silent Skype sniper scope or sniper rifles, trank sniper rifles, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. So like it would be a harder it might be a tougher road to hoe for you, but I mean like, yeah. I think you could do it, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean I'm still very, very excited about this game. I'm a little worried about getting what I want sure. out of it, but I mean at the same time it's like I, I've had that worry since the first trailer I saw and I, I was still hooked from the first trailer yeah, I saw. Yeah. Like, I want to play this. And so. I, I do think it's one of those things, you know, uh I, I believe and I haven't like you I know Vince from IGN agreed with me and this is just because I've had the chance to talk with him. Oh, yeah, like, did you see him down there or you were... Yeah, for like two seconds, then we were texting about it. Uh he with the story wise, right? Of just like eh, whatever, what is this? You know what I mean? But and I'm not hundred percent sure about this. Peter Brown at GameSpot reviewed it, also gave it a ten. And somebody, when I was in the comments last night on our YouTube video and our reviews talking about it, somebody had brought over the fact and did like the wall of like GameSpot says the story is like engaging from end, you know, start to finish or whatever. So maybe I'm just maybe I'm the odd man out here. Maybe I I had too much spoiled. Maybe I thought about it yeah. too much. Maybe all this different stuff. You know, what I, I mean, mean, the other problem, last point I'll make about Metal Gear before we move Metal on Gear. is is the fact that like. So many people, there are hardcore people that want different things from Metal Gear, yeah. and specifically story, because there are the people that love the solid Snake story, like me. Yeah, the, the whole big boss, like '60s to '90s thing, don't really care. Oh, dude, but I when mean, you hear the soundtrack to this game, you're gonna care. Oh, well, no, no, no. Music wise, I love that. But like, I mean, and having said that, Snake Eater is probably the most solid story of of any of them, just like as a standalone thing. But um, I love Solid Snake's story. I love the story told in 1, 2, and 4. Yeah. And all of this stuff is just like, can we stop with the big boss shit? But then it's like, it had that moment. It needed this yeah. to like complete it. So hopefully now we're done. I mean, I guess we are done completely. Oh, you'll find out. Oh, we'll find out soon. All right. Topic three of the show comes from our boy on Patreon. His name is Robert Gonzalez. Thank you so what much, up, Robert, Robert Gonzalez, for supporting the show. Hey, guys. I was wanting to know which superhero games do you prefer, the infamous games or the Batman Arkham games and why? And do you think Sucker Punch will make another infamous game? And do you think there'll be more Arkham games? Wow. Lots of questions. questions. Yep. I like it. I like the topic. It's in my wheelhouse, as Mm. they say. I mean, knee-jerk reaction, first blush question, I'm going to say infamous. I I, I like those games more. And I love Batman. You know this. I, I, you know, Platinum Arkham Knight and obviously loved the hell out of every other Batman that there was. It's just that infamous i don't know i like that i like building something on your new you know what i mean and i'm I'm specifically talking about one and two by the way like second son was fine really good gameplay nobody does the scaling up a building running off shooting powers jumping down that kind of open world gameplay better than sucker punch they're amazing at making you feel awesome when you play their games um but infamous one and two i love the this is brand new you don't know what's gonna happen you know what i mean like that was that's was my biggest complaint about arkham knight is like i'm playing a superhero game for a superhero story you know what I mean? We're yeah. talking about like Metal Gear, right? And that's why one of the reasons Second Son didn't work for me, right? Of like, well, Delson kind of sucks, and what is going on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Augustine's cool, but what's you know? Uh, you know, Infamous One and Two was I don't know. I literally don't know what's going to happen around the, to the next thing and what this means and making these choices how they're going to play out. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. I like the dual duality of am I going to be played as a good person? Am I going to be bad? Do I want to switch my choices here? How does it end? You know, like the Trish scenario in Infamous One, if you're good or if you're bad and stuff like that. Whereas Batman, I feel like you know where you're going and what's going to happen and how it's usually going to play out. In Arkham Knight being the biz- biggest example of that, mm-hmm. of like how depressed I was when I figured out what was going to happen in Arkham Knight. I was just like, oh, really? All right, well, 
That's not as much fun. Mm. Colin, I'm sorry. You can chime in. No, so nothing to be sorry about. Uh, I agree. I think Infamous plays better. I think that um, Sucker Punch's strength was... Su- People have to remember, when Infamous came out in 2009, this game was actually a pretty huge surprise. Yeah. Um, Sucker Punch was known for making Sly Cooper games. Sony didn't even own that studio yet. Uh, Infamous came out uh, after a gestation period that was pretty lengthy. I mean, it took them a while to make that game and get that game off the ground. And remember, too, that this was a game they had wanted to make since uh, before they made Sly Cooper. So this was this was a game that they had on their minds for a long time. Um, and the game came out. It did very well. Sony bought the studio. They made a sequel that was even better than the first one. And they really had great momentum going. And I agree with what Greg was saying that with the exception in my mind of Uncharted, Infamous is probably their PlayStation 3's best exclusive franchise. Um like games that there were multiple games or whatever because I, I don't want to you know the last of us obviously is like really the cream of the crop but sure um and I agree with Greg that second second son was pretty disappointing um not from a gameplay perspective because as Greg totally as, Greg, as Greg noted the traversal and the parkour and the combat in infamous games is universally awesome it's it, it's it's not something that they've fucked around with uh and, and, and to to the detriment of the game the storytelling is was a little weak Delson as Greg said is a fucking awful character and and like who really cared about like what was going on in that game Augustine again again I agree Augustine was a great villain just wasted in that game um and fetch was great too and that's why it was cool to get first light and it's like well we'll just make games about her you know what I mean like yeah so it's it's so in terms of gameplay and I think gameplay is king that those things matter I would say the Arkham games having played and beaten Arkham City and then most of or Arkham uh, Asylum and then quite a bit of Arkham City and then all the way through Arkham Knight I never played Arkham uh, Origins um Arkham nails, especially Arkham Knight, I think nails aesthetic. I think it nails story. I think it nails voice acting. I think it nails all of those things, like, almost better than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I'd probably give combat to the Arkham games. Really? Yeah. Oh, because I was going to say, I think the combat in Arkham games is boring, and uh, it's, like, what I look forward to least. Like, See, I think traversal me, and all that kind of stuff is just wonky. The well, traversal, are... I'm not talking about traversal. Traversal, heads and shoulders, infamous shooting up poles, doing all this stuff, climbing up the walls. The fact that you can scale any wall you see. But, like... For me, at least, in the infamous one and two, I don't know how you feel. Like, combat always came ba- down to this, and then just, like, side- sliding around <laughs> people and trying to shoot them in the head. Whereas Batman, yeah, it's, it's uh, what did you call it, repetitive? Or do, I'm sorry. I lost the thing. Batman is the same thing over and over again, right? But it is that uh, I-, I feel like fucking Batman when I do mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? I feel powerful. I feel like a superhero. Yeah, the thing that bothers me about Batman games, spe- specifically Night, which I think did it quite definitively, is... It locks you. I don't like these arbitrary arenas. Like I don't like mm-hmm. like when you encounter enemies and it's like, all right, now we're gonna fight these enemies. Like here, it's like what I loved about Infamous was like I don't have to fight these guys at all, and like I can just I can fight more of them. I can dr- drag these two groups together and and um, blow them all up. Blow, you know, like do whatever. Yeah. You, like I felt like there was a lot of we used the word earlier. There's a lot of agency in the way you fight in Infamous, and also Infamous has uh, two different ways to play the game. Like really, like yeah. you're good and you're bad, and you're gonna get different powers and different stories, and, and different, different endings, stories. You know what I mean? So I think I think it was surprising that they didn't do more with with Second Son. I think the game's very pretty um, and it runs well, and, and especially the neon power I think is great. The video power is great. I like how they have unorthodox powers. It was it was like neon video and concrete and stuff like that. Like I like I liked that that was smoke and smoke. I, I thought it was interesting. It's not like ice and fire like they used before. It's like things that you would never think of. I thought that was really really nifty, right. but. Um, the one thing I'd love to see, I mean, and when we're talking about comparing these two things that Infamous didn't get in one and two, and I really thought they were going to get it in Second Son and didn't, that Batman nails is weaving it all together and making it feel natural. Like for Infamous one and two, when they were basically like open world superhero game, they were kind of like making it. They, that was like their shit, right? Of like 
you're on the map and you're going and you see like the camera icon pointing down of like, oh, there's a camera mission there. I was like, okay, cool. And that's fun and that's great. But it was like reminding that you're in a game and this, that, and the other. Whereas in Second Son, they did it again. And I was like, all right, this is supposed to be, this is Seattle. It's a super beautiful city. It looks photorealistic. Why would there still be this like thing pointing down? Whereas in Batman, right? Like, you shoot up the side of the building and fucking man bat roars in your face or you're going and you hear the opera music and you have to go find that and then swinging it all around the Riddler Trophers the way it's all one world it didn't feel like segmented parts that were pasted onto the world mm-hmm. yeah I mean the, the, the brilliant it's the same thing I think with Assassin's Creed which I just don't like where it's if you could just take that world that Assassin's Creed world or that Arkham Knight world and those characters and the storytelling and stuff and just give it better gameplay then the game to me would have been way better so I think I think inf- I think Second Son beats Arkham Knight hands down in gameplay, but I think wow. Arkham Knight beats it in every other way. You know, yeah. like I, I and that's not really. A, I, I think that Infamous has set a very high bar for gameplay, so I don't think it's really an insult to Arkham Knight. I liked playing Arkham Knight; it was fun. But I was more impressed with its production value than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think the combat is the same. It's just I, I found the I disagree in the sense that I found the combat stilted and arbitrary. You know, like I really did. It's just like punch, 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 punch. This guy has a shield. Punch, punch, jump, punch. This guy has, you know, a lightning thing. Hit him with your, you know, your quick attack and then punch him. Like, it's just like, it's the same thing over and over again. I was just but like, there's it's... something about the, the look of it, though. Like, just watching the combat of Batman, it, even even if both games really just come, combat in games usually, like those have again, third person games, regardless, it's going to get pretty repetitive. repetitive and just like, there's a bunch of guys yeah. do the same move that affects them the most, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, watching the Batman stuff, no matter how many times you see the animation, it looks slightly different. You know, there's always like, the camera's a little bit different, the way he does it, and like just transitioning between the enemies and stuff. It looks so fluid, whereas in Infamous, like doing the just the shit, it looks like a, a stilted animation that like reminds you this is a video game. Yeah, but and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I will remind you that Infamous's combat isn't predicated by its aesthetic, right? Like the reason you could just keep hitting the square button and you're just gonna jump from enemy to enemy, it's just gonna happen automatically in Batman. Like if you kill an enemy in Infamous, he's dead, and you can keep shooting in that direction, but it's not gonna like automatically point to the next enemy. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about that was I'm, I'm reminded by the Gatling gun enemies that you meet like halfway through and later in, in Arkham Knight, where you have to start attacking them and then they you have to quick time them four times, like they'll start to swing, yeah, yeah, you, and, yeah, you have yeah. to kick, and they just kill them the same way every time. If that enemy was an in Infamous, you would be able to kill him like a, in ten different ways, yeah. Like and that that's you know, so I just I just I look at it through that lens where I just don't feel like there's a lot of choice in Batman. I don't think it's. I w- the fun part about Arkham Knight to me was the story and the characters. What a great they did a really great job putting that city together, and I thought it was fun to kind of traverse. And I always kind of dreaded the combat. I was just like, yeah, I like the combat in in the same spirit as Arkham Asylum, where I'm sneaking around and like the uh, the two face the two face missions. People? I think were awesome. Yeah, with, yeah, like, going to the banks and stuff. Yeah, so I, I I like the strategic element, but once the element of surprise is lost, like it's just like Jesus Christ, you know, like uh, it's Batman. Hey, Batman! Yeah, and they're, <laughs> and they're looking around. But I thought Batman that, over here. But I did think that there were cool elements in the game with in Arkham Knight, which I don't think was in the other Batman games. Which was like you can disable their guns, you can disable their healing packs, you can mm-hmm. disable like all these things like using your special weapons and stuff. So I thought that was cool. It was last question: Is Sucker Punch going to make another infamous game? No. Uh, the they are. If Sh- Shuei told us at E3 on our live show that he had already played. A portion of their next game which indicates to me that they had been working on this game for a while before second son probably even came out and that it's not an infamous game um because there's just no way a studio you know i was there that studio is big i mean it's a big studio but it, when i was there right before infamous came out it looked like all hands were on deck for uh second son but it seems like they were working on something else the entire time um so my assumption is based on their pedigree it'll be a similar game third person open just like sly just like infamous but it'll be something else Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about Arkham? 
Arkham is a big question, right? Um, I, I, they didn't. My whole prediction leading up, I guess, spoilers for Arkham Knight, not really on a thing that didn't even happen. So whatever. Um, you know, I predicted forever, right, that like, oh, Superman's gonna show up in this game, and that'll set up the Justice League game or whatever, right? And that doesn't happen. However, a million references to Superman, phone calls from Lex, Daily Planet things, Keystone City things. I mean, there, there's like they're making references to, hey, guess what? There is the DC universe here. This is happening, mm-hmm. and so I still think. A Justice League game isn't out of the question in terms of like the next game is, and this I won't spoil it, but I think the game, the way the game, Batman Arkham Knight ends, could leave itself open to a Justice League game of like, all right, cool, now we all come together to do this one thing and figure out what's happening. Yeah, well, I'm, sur- I'm I, I think you're probably right from Rocksteady's point of view. I think that I'm surprised. I think there's 100% gonna be another Arkham game. You know, like they have this engine and they're just gonna give it to another studio and just be like, here you go. You know, like make your WB or- make your origins and. Yeah, like I, I think they'd be foolish not to do that. You yeah. Know, in the meantime, like let Rocksteady like really marinate and give you know Montreal or another WB studio a chance to make their own Batman game. It seems to that seems to make the most commercial sense. You know. No, I agree. I, I still yeah. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. I was just talking about Rocksteady. Awesome. Final topic of the day, of course, brought to you by the Kind of Funny forums. So please go to kindoffunny.com/forums, sign up, be a user, get in there talking stuff, and leave. A comment. Let us know a topic thread. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying anymore. <laughs> you were I so lost good. it when I it said leave a so comment. Because like, yeah, no, I, well, I realized well, as soon as I was saying comment, I'm like, you don't leave comments on in the thread. Make a post. Leave, you you post. understand what he means. Yes. Go there, leave a post in the games cast thread about which topic you want us to do. It'll be on the show. Featured like Nafiar six. Nailed it. N A F I U R six. Was there ever a time you walked away from gaming? If so, why and why did you come back? Yeah, I mean, there was. I, I I had to stop playing games for about a year in college, uh, 2004, 2005, like that that year. Um, but even then, it was funny because even then I was still playing. Like, I just wasn't in it anymore. I, I had stopped freelancing for IGN that year. I, I That's when I was working at Mass Historical Society. And uh, it was just, I had a girlfriend and, and uh, just hanging out with my friends and partying and doing all, you know, college kid things. Um, but even that year, I had still bought, I still stopped to buy. Resident Evil Four, uh, San Andreas. So then, no, that doesn't count. But I mean, but 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 I, I mean, otherwise, I mean, that's the, about as close as I ever got. To, yeah, to no, I, I I think that's the whole thing is I definitely think there's been periods where it wound down. But then again, I also think the industry was in a different place back then. I feel like we you would take months off because you had played all the newest releases. You didn't feel like yeah. old shit. You went off the movies. You did this and that. Like I always talk about it, right? Like I took up trying to pl- I took up piano lessons, right? That I, I was going to learn piano while I was in college, right? And then that stopped when Prince of Persia came out. Because mm-hmm. it was like the first game that came out. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been right, waiting cool. for this fucking the rest thing of this forever. fall season, I'm yeah, done. I'm done. I'm not, and, it, yeah. and it wasn't even so much that I played that one game. It was just like, oh, this is, I'm going to skip this thing I kind of like to do this, which I love. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I always talk about it, uh, my Metal Gear story, right? Of the fact that in high school, I, I distinctly remember going to a homecoming dance, and one of the girls in our group of friends brought one of our friends that we knew from growing up forever you know what i mean i had seen him since we left i guess junior high right that's what they call eighth grade yes. when you graduate yeah. i hadn't seen him since then and we were talking and he's like oh are you still playing video games and i'm like yeah but i'm think i'm i don't know if i'm still getting into it and i it's always what i was talking about is like i like mario and don't get me wrong all this but it's just like they started to feel kitty you know what i mean i was like is this all it is and the, is this what video games are going to be forever and is that what I, i'll be playing forever you know what i mean and then i got a ps1 and i rented me and Poe rented Sarge's, Army Men, Sarge's Heroes, and Metal Gear Solid. And we fucking took Sarge's Hero out after 30 minutes and put in Metal Gear Solid. And that was like, 
the awakening of like, oh fuck, this is the future. Video games yeah. are going this way. They they can be they can make me feel. They can make two teenage boys sit there and be like choked up watching the sniper and Hal scene. You know yeah. what I mean? Like do these different things. Yes, yeah, for me, I feel like in a lot of ways, I kind of am in that now. But I've never been out of gaming. You know, I yeah. might have been out of playing games religiously. Like that time stopped pretty much once my career started. Like once I started actually making videos for IGN, like it was IGN. IGN killed my playing games sure. because I then all of a sudden started making content about games more than playing them. And I also just think it's just, you know, the, the age I was and all that stuff, because up until then I had been playing all my, I was a franchise guy. Yeah. You know, there's the, the key things that I like. I love Kingdom Hearts. I love Final Fantasy. I love Metal Gear. I love Mario, all the Nintendo stuff. Like anytime those games would come out, I'd play and that's a lot, you know? Yeah. But I feel like as time went on, less and less of those started happening. Nintendo became way more sparse, just event-based. Right, 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 right. It's just like, they're coming out and like, no matter what happens, I play the new Marios when they come out. Everything stops and I do that. But it's gotten to the point where it's like, I don't necessarily play all the the Zelda handheld games. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily like, when the new Pokemons come out, like, I, I've played I've played all the Pokemon, so I guess that's not a, a good um, example. But life well, doesn't actually, stop. Like when Ruby and Sapphire remakes came out, I didn't play through those, and like I'd love to, but it's like mm, I don't need to stop everything to do that. You yeah. Know? And uh, Metal Gear Solid Five now is coming back to those franchises I love, and I'm still waiting for Final Fantasy Fifteen and Kingdom Hearts Three. But um, for the longest time, like I said, the whole last generation, so the 360 PS3 generation, I missed out on so much. Having said that, I did beat a lot of games. I did play a lot of games, but it wasn't like I was constantly up to date. I sure. was just playing them at my leisure. Like, I didn't need to be part of that conversation and do all that. And um, But at the same time, I never really felt like I'm away from it. Like, video games are so much a part of me, and I don't think I could go away from them. Right. Because I love knowing about them. I love hearing about them, reading about them, talking about them. And um, it's just, there's something about not needing to play everything. That's never been my M.O., except for the PS2 generation. Um, and now it's interesting to me to see what's bringing me back to actually, like, fuck everything I need to play this game. Right, right, right. You know, like, fuck my career and my life. Yeah, fuck this. I need to, to do this, but, yeah. Dat Metal Gear. Dat Fallout. Dat Metal Gear, man. See, I Fallout. I don't know about that. Yeah, you're crazy. Troll Speaks. Yep. Wants to know, I recently watched a video on YouTube where this guy was talking about things like microtransactions and shady DLC practices leading to another video game crash. What are your guys' thoughts on that? As big as the industry has gotten, do you think we'll ever see another crash like the one in 83? No. Colin? It's not possible. The, the, the whole dynamic of the, of the industry has changed now. You'll see ebbs and flows. Right. But you're not going to see a cataclysmic crash because what people don't under, seem to just lose context with the, with the crash of 82 and 83 is that video gaming was like eight years old at that point. Like really like commercial video gaming like from Pong so we're not talking about like micro, you know, mainframe games or whatever, but like really like accessible arcade or home games. The industry was young and it died because there was a lack of quality. This is when fucking Quaker Oats is publishing games on Atari. Like every, everyone was publishing games and they looked at it as like, can we can we advertise? Can we just you know, ET was notoriously made in six weeks uh, and all that kind of stuff. It was at that point when the industry died. It was like, all right, games are over. This was another thing that came and went. What they didn't realize was that this was a ubiquitous entertainment medium. It's not going anywhere. It's just, it's going to change. Oculus is going to change the game. PC gaming is ubiquitous and not going anywhere. Uh, phones, unfortunately, people are playing games on those. Uh, and tablets, um, which is you know fine if that's what people want to enjoy doing. Consoles, remember, PS, it, this can't be undersold. PS4 and Xbox One are selling 50% better at their respective point in the life cycle than PS3 and Xbox 360. I want to repeat that. 50% better. 
So for every two console, for every two consoles of PS3, Xbox 360 was sold, another one has been sold already. So gaming is just getting stronger. Microtrans- microtransactions uh, and day one DLC and all these kinds of things are different kinds of issues. I think Greg would agree that that will affect different games in different ways. As long as, for instance, microtransactions don't wedge their way into $60 games or $10 games or $20 games in a way that is in, in, invasive, it's not going to have zero effect on, on console gaming, core gaming at all. It's going to have a huge effect on mobile gaming, and it is having a huge effect on mobile gaming. Uh, same thing with Day One DLC. You have to speak with your wallet. Speak very powerfully. Like I always talked about, when I went off on Mass Effect many years ago, I didn't say it eloquently, and I shouldn't have said it the way I said it, but one of the things I said was that you just, if you have such an egregious fucking qualm with the way that they're selling their games at EA or you don't like Mass Effect, don't buy the next EA game. Don't buy Mass Effect Andromeda. But the fact of the matter is none of us have that kind of constitution, you know, to like or that, that wherewithal or that fucking testicular fortitude to be able to do that. And that's the only way you're going to affect change. But since we all like to consume, um, as we do because we're gamers, uh, it's harder to affect change on the market like that. So I, I, know, I know that's a rambling answer, but I don't know if it makes any sense. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I think it's a case-by-case basis. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... It's, I... I think microtransactions have a terrible reputation. You know what I mean? And as somebody who uses them in DC Universe Online, right? I'm like, hey, these are great. Why wouldn't I want this aura? Why wouldn't I? I do want to be able to see all the exobytes right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's a good example of it. And I've, I only have, in, and I shouldn't say only, I the majority of my experiences and the ones that I can list are positive ones, right? Not ones where it's like, like this whole Metal Gear thing that's like very confusing right now. The Ford operating base. I don't know if you saw this today. Did you see this on GameSpot? And then they updated it and it's still super fucking confusing. I played Ford operating bases and they were fun. That, but they we couldn't... It's not ready for retail servers yet. So we had to play it on like test kits over at some desk. And I was like, this is fun. And then today it was like... I'm getting questions from kids who are like, how many... MB coins does it cost? And what is that? Tra- I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That wasn't done. If that, if it turns out that, yeah, you want to build your Ford operating base, it's an extra $10. And like, well, get fucked. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? But if it is, you build the base, you do this. And if you want a few more things to whatever, make your equipment better, yada, yada, yada. So be it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. I won't use it. I'm 60 hours into Metal Gear and I'm great. And I don't need Ford operating bases and mm. I'll do it for the trophy. I think that's probably assigned to it. But like, <laughs> I'm not super hung up on it. Like, I don't think necessarily it's a bad thing. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, I want to reiterate this. And Greg and I have talked about this for years, too. We ha- This is so important to remember when we're talking about this shit. These uh, we talk about the market a lot, right? The market is working things out every day for us in games. A good example of the market killing something is the online pass. The online pass was something that came out 2010, 2011. It was in, included in a lot of games, even games that were not very online-centric, like Uncharted. Yeah. And people got really mad at these games. It kills the retail, the resale value of the game. Uh, kills your ability to buy it used if you want to play online, all these kinds of things. And, and, and it totally rubber-banded, and they're gone, right? They're totally gone. Day one DLC and DLC generally and story DLC and the little anecdotal DLC and microtransactions have only gotten more and more... Uh, in your face as time goes on in certain games because people use them. They're popular. They're making lots of money. Trust me, if Company X was going to take a lot of heat and make little money on some a choice they made with microtransactions in their game, they wouldn't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. They're willing to take the heat because they make money. They make a lot of money probably. So yeah. it's important to keep in mind that in our core kind of gaming community in the small community here, kind of funny, we might not like these kinds of things and I respect that. I don't much care for them either. I went off just a couple weeks ago on Batman Arkham Knight's whole DLC pack, which I think is fucking ridiculous. Like how much they're charging for this shit, but and I got it, I liked it. But 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 a lot of people agreed with me, just in the sense that it's a lot like of people agree with me too. But it's in, but the point I made back then, right, was that you're paying fifteen dollars for an hour, 
right? Yeah. Arkham Knight is a 25-hour game. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, it, it's, it's imbalanced. So that's a little more, that's a little more uh, vague for some people. But people use these things and they work. And we don't have to use them. And as long as it doesn't break the game, and it doesn't, it seems that me- it might not break the game. I don't know. Metal Gear? No, uh, the, Metal Gear, break- who knows? If it breaks the game, if it breaks the game in a real pressing way that's not aesthetic or something like that, then I have a problem with it too. But but we have to remember that we kind of sit on our high horse sometimes, not forgetting that you know these things exist because there's a market for them. Yep. Somebody's mm-hmm. buying them. Ted H. Ted H. Hey, guys. I was wondering what your thoughts are on limited edition consoles and collector's editions. For instance, do you see them as something of a fan service? They're yes, and I, I I think they're awesome. I wish I could buy them. It's just that I own a PlayStation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I I got a 20th anniversary and popped it out, and now we have an extra one floating around. That's great or whatever. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, the Batman one looks awesome, and yeah, okay, the Metal Gear one looks rad, and it's just like, but I own it, so like whatever. It is. It's a fan service way, and it's a fan service of. Hey, you haven't bought your PlayStation 4, but you love Metal Gear. So yeah. we're going to put the, you know what I mean? I think it's fan service and it's marketing. It's marketing more than for anything. sure. It's just like you don't have this yet. Now you might want it, you yeah. know, and here's a real reason to buy it. You were waiting for Metal Gear. Here's a Metal Gear one. Batman, yeah. here's the Batman one. Yeah, yeah. And it's also just an, a good way to, to advertise games, whether exclusive or not, to time to your console. You it's know? a def- it's a great way to take Batman and Metal Gear and make it not be a PlayStation Four exclusive, but this Feel, is where you get the awesome yeah, bundle if you've you know? been waiting, if you've been on the fence. And I, I feel like there's a lot of other times too where it's not just the look of the console, but the, they'll add little features and stuff. I remember back in the day with the uh, the Xbox 360, like there was this, the Halo exclusive one, right? Had bigger hard drives or had this or that. The uh, like, Star Wars, the R two D two one that made the Star Wars noises and had all these things. It was like I don't even like Star Wars that much, and this is dope. I I'd buy this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, clearly it's a marketing gimmick. Clearly it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it before, so forgive me for repeating myself, but my PlayStation 4 can be a fucking cardboard box. I don't really give a fuck. So I, I don't I don't quite understand the fandom around the console because it's like, who cares? It's just the fucking console. But it's clearly selling things. The thing I do like are the controllers and because you see them and you interface with them every day. I, I can go fucking months without touching my PS4. So it's, you know, because I'm using the controller basically to turn it on, turn it off, you know, all this kind of stuff. So you put it in the dock or whatever. You're like, I'm not even seeing my PS4. So I don't care about that, but I like the controllers um, and wish that they would make more of a variety of them. And I'm happy that with PS4, they're making that that gray 20th anniversary PS4 controller mm-hmm. accessible to everyone, which I think is, is fun. So, yeah, I mean, I, I respect it if people are into that sort of thing. I just don't care. I mean, I don't care what the console looks like. Mm-hmm. I just uh, it's just like, what does it play? Is it going to do what a PS4 does? And that's that's most important. Does it accept the disc? Does it have a hard drive? And, and yeah. But an Ethernet cable? Yeah, I love it. I love the appearance. I think that it's big on like your living room, just what things look like, you know. But if you had it away, it doesn't matter. And if it, that shit doesn't matter to you, it doesn't at yeah, all. Yeah, but I mean, having said that, m- most of the times the collector's editions don't look better. You know, they, they're they're very specific. You like this thing? Yeah. There's this art on it, you know? It's Darth Vader. But uh, I would much rather the clean look of what the normal console yeah, are. Yeah, me too. And that's why when different – like so if the limited edition is just here's the white version, here's the black version, then it's like, all right, what fits my living room decor? What, you know, oh, whatever. Decor. Yeah. I will, I will say that I think these consoles are working really well for Sony because they, they keep doing them. You yeah. know, they did the Destiny one and, and the Batman one. one. And Is there a Frozen one? There was a Frozen one. Was the Frozen one. And I think, I think the Vader one for – Battlefront is going to be fucking huge. Yeah. So it's it's clearly working for them. I'm confused why Xbox doesn't seem to be really countering them punch for punch. But you know, it's they working. got all the slats. It's hard to make it look different. That's true. You have your little special. Yeah, one. That that was a bitch to put on. Thank you very much, Flaming Toast. But geez, Louise, would I never do that again? <laughs> Tyler Truman wants to know: Do you think Nintendo is waiting to develop an amiibo game until people have established collections so it looks more appealing? 
No, I don't. I, I I'll reiterate that I don't think anyone cares about amiibo as far as a game as gaming functionality. I mean, I I just don't think anyone gives a fuck. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I people love amiibos because they're fucking action figures. You know, they're like little toys. Yeah. I wish that they would just get rid of the amiibo thing and just be like, we're making toys. <laughs> you know, like like because that's why I have mine. I have I have Toad and Me- you want me Mega Man, which I appreciate. I have Mario. I have Day to Day and stuff. So. I get the little guys I like. I have no intention of interfacing them with my Wii at all. Yeah. You know, so it's, and I really do feel like that's almost everybody. See, that's my thing is I don't think it's almost everybody. I think that it is, yeah, I think that it's a very dedicated group of people that are very vocal and like that is what they do and they collect them and that's it. But I, seeing, being in stores and seeing who's actually like picking them up, it's the kids. You know what I mean? Like they're like the, it's the guys that are ordering them online that I'm not interfacing with. You know, wait in line. They're the only ones I interface with. Stuff. Zyger, it's yeah, Zyger. Zyger. But I, I feel like there is a. It's getting to the point now where what it's not just Smash Bros. Now that it's the Mario Party ones and making the Animal Crossing ones, and all of this is starting to be a thing where people, consumers have collections already. Like I think that Nintendo would be making a game. My biggest thing is like. With the weird place they're at with the Wii U and 3DS and NX and yeah, all yeah. that stuff, like oh, sorry. X can give it to you. Um, I don't know where it would happen or how it would happen. What's I think game? that's kind yeah. of what they're they're figuring out. But I mean, there's definitely something there. No, there's something there. But I think the something there is that people want Nintendo merch. I mean, just think about: Do you have to buy an extra thing to interface your? To like let your no. amiibo interface. So so there's X amount of Wii U's, 10 million Wii U's out there. These things are selling extraordinarily well like outstripping you know demand everywhere um and i just feel like i mean we can only speak anecdotally right i only know people like in our circle and our friends and and it just seems like people buy them and put them on the shelves because they like because i mean that's why i I wish they they were bigger and that they you could fuck with them a little bit and stuff like that but you know it's 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 a nice gimmick i i think what i'm saying here is that even though people use amiibos in in the way that they're intended this seems to me a thing where Nintendo, I don't think, understood that they should have maybe just released action figures of these characters and people would buy all of them. You know, if I if I knew that I could just go somewhere and buy them all of them, maybe I would. You know, there's still ones that I want. I would love like a little Mac one and a few others of these characters I really like. So I just people I think people look at them as like fun little collectibles that lets them associate with a brand they really like. And, and that's certainly the way I look at it. You see um, that Mario Maker bundle has the 8-bit Mario in it exclusively for a little bit? Yeah. It's that, one looks, that one looks cool. Sales. It's gonna be interesting. To see. Yeah, because oh. it's an awesome looking amiibo. Let yeah, alone that, that it's one, in package for a little bit. Yeah. Well, buy your Wii U. Final question for the day: Bojans ninety one. Bojans. Just a quick one. Why do you think there's no wish list feature on the PlayStation Store? It's so annoying. Steam does this very well. They even email you when a game on your wish list is on sale. Would you, I would love something oh, wow. similar on the P- PlayStation Store? What do you guys think? Yeah, that sounds like that sounds really cool. Yeah, that'd be great. But I mean. We're lucky yeah. we got what we got with yeah, the PSN. I mean, you're lucky there's a store. store. Yeah, you're you know? lucky the store doesn't run off a browser anymore. Yeah, you don't remember PlayStation 3 PS store, buddy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... It's funny, so many new people have come on into the PlayStation ecosystem with PS4 not understanding the, the leaps we've made. struggle, man. Oh, my God, the PS3 was bad. But at the time, we didn't realize it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, and jokingly, like, there's serious Stockholm Syndrome going on with PS3, but... What are you talking about, XM? He's great. Um, but we've come such a long way, so patience. You know, a lot of people jump jumping on the PS4 having no hindsight of just how real the struggle was. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, this, the PlayStation Store wasn't even, it didn't even run as an app until like 2008. It ran, like you opened it, and I opened in the fucking browser. I'm like, that's how fucking ridiculous <laughs> To get championship it was. sprint. 
It was so weird. It was so like it was such a weird thing. So I agree. I mean, PlayStation Store needs lots of functionality. That would be great functionality. My my instinct tells me that the the, the more sarcastic or, or part of me thinks that they wouldn't do something like that because they don't want you to know when games run. So yeah, mm. yeah. But yeah. then again, that kind of conflicts with the fact that they do make their sales very public on PlayStation Blog and stuff. But not everyone reads PlayStation Blog. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the first ever Gamescast 34. I'm Tim Geddes, cool students in video games. Keep going to kind of funny forums, talking about stuff. Do whatever the hell you want, really. Bye. Do whatever the hell you want.